yo, 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 the sound came to be a continuity from the ashes of the old. This wisdom is cold, brothers and sisters. It's time to look around. If we don't come master, we'll be driven to the ground. It's a new millennium, new piece of history. All the workers come together, it's time for unity. While the rich just get richer, the poor keep on giving. It's a sign of the times, reality is what we're living. The media is deception, we get handed lies. But you can't cheat a worker, cause a worker is wise. Day after day, we have to keep it going. Year after year, the union keeps growing. Taking on two millions that they never were to earn. But without a brain and muscle, not a single will could turn. Not a force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one. Solidarity forever. The union makes us. Solidarity forever. Paula Bamba Gonzalez, Ill Will, and Escondelo. Solidarity was the key to victory for nurses at St. Charles Bend, and as the following conversation illustrates, that solidarity was achieved through democracy, transparency, and trust developed over months of organizing. There is power in a union. Aaron Harrington is the chair of the bargaining committee for the Oregon Nurses Association, representing almost 1,000 nurses at St. Charles Medical Center in Bend, Oregon. John Nangle is also a member of the bargaining team for the union. We last spoke in mid-April, a few weeks before the nurses held a massive informational picket outside the Bend Hospital, and a lot has happened since then. As bargaining slowly moved forward, nurses overwhelmingly voted to authorize a strike and then set June 12th as a strike date. The pace of bargaining picked up, and that's something of an understatement, I think, on June 6th and June 7th as the union management and a federal mediator met virtually around the clock for some 40 hours. The next day, June 8th, ONA, the nurses' union, announced a tentative agreement with the hospital. The strike and a community town hall were postponed while union members studied the agreement. They overwhelmingly voted to ratify this historic contract on June 20th. There is much joy among the nurses and perhaps a great sense of relief among hospital administrators who avoided the first strike by St. Charles nurses since they first organized their union in 1980. This conversation is being recorded on June 30th, 2023, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's the, the day before this new contract takes effect on July 1st. Aaron Harrington and John Nangle, welcome back to the Radical Songbook. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Michael. All right. So I'm, I'm accurate that the contract actually ta t starts taking effect on July 1st? Yeah, many of the details, well, a lot of the different things start then, but and I do believe that it, it does go back to January if I'm, you know, because we, we were under the old contract January. Right. So it, it is a little bit different because we were working under an expired contract. Right. So there might be some retroactive stuff that comes into play. I hadn't thought of that. No, yeah, no. All of the new, the new details will start in July. Right. Yeah. So I do want to get into that, into the contract highlights. But first, I think our listeners might want to hear what those final bargaining sessions were like for you, those, that marathon bargaining, and what it was like for union members, ONA members, in the 
months and then the weeks and then the days leading up to uh, the tentative agreement and leading into the possibility of a strike. So um, you really were bargaining almost around the clock to get this deal done, right? Yeah, in the final two sessions that we had, we had announced our 10-day notice um, and the federal mediator was elicited to, to help us with bargaining. And, you know, those two sessions were very different than, than any others in that, you know, I think the hospital finally was taking us a little bit seriously. Um, but we were nearly around the clock for the two days um, in order to reach an agreement. And it's my understanding the hospital brought, brought in some people to work on the bargaining that hadn't been in previous sessions. Is that correct? I'm not really aware of that. Um, when we were in mediation, we didn't really meet with the hospital. We would discuss with the mediator, and the mediator would go back and forth. Ah, okay. So that was so that was the role. Just because so, our listeners might not be familiar with how this works, so the mediator you were in you were essentially you were essentially in one room. Hospital administrators were in another room, and the federal mediator was going back and forth. Correct. How did you get a sense that things were starting to move along? I mean, the federal mediator would come back to you and and give you kind of a, a an update that things were getting better. Yeah, it, you know, it's hard to describe. Um, and you know, it, it was a lot of us saying, "Hey, this is what we've been talking about for months, and this is where we're at, and this is what we need." And the mediator would come back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, I, I really do think all of the organizing that had been done um, by our bargaining unit had made the hospital understand that we were very serious. And all of our, our different things leading up to this, the last final days. Because, you know, any one activity that we had completed didn't make or break it. It was all of it together. You know, we had been planning for um, these bargaining sessions, knowing how critical they were going to be for, we'd been planning for over a year. So, you know, we knew our priorities very well. We knew exactly what the bargaining unit nurses needed um, and all of the details of how we functioned as a team um, and our organizing within the facility and every nurse was involved. It just was, um, we just knew exactly what we needed and what we were doing. There was just never any sort of um, fly-by-night for our team. And it was just a great example of what unions really should do in organizing and, and the power that it has. Obviously, we were, um, didn't want to go on strike, but we were absolutely 100% ready to go. And I think those final two days, the hospital was going to push us to the limits and see if we were serious. Um, and I think that's why when you um, mentioned in your opening that bargaining really accelerated because I think, um, as Aaron alluded to, they, they finally said, you know, oh, my gosh, this is, uh, this is real. <laughs> I would say that the hospital administration probably saw very early on in our campaign how unified we were. Um, we were doing a lot of events together. We were doing a lot of town halls. Um, we had 
fantastic turnout to nearly every one of our events that we had, even simple events. We had tons of turnout. And all along the months leading up to the final days, the hospital is seeing this. And then, you know, us really showing alignment with our bargaining unit and then following through with what we're saying, we need this, we need this. And then when we're not getting it, we don't, we didn't back down. And I think all of the six months of us leading up to this is what the hospital did see the whole time. Yeah, I would also say um, in that final, you know, leading up to those last few days, those, those two weeks in June, it was, there was, it was just constant conversation about strike. Every employee was talking about it, and it was really ramping up the pressure within the facility as everybody was beginning to assess what it meant to them as an employee. And we were doing some education. Um, some, we had done some good legal research on, you know, how managers could function, um, nurse managers, what um, risks they would take. Um, with their licensure with Oregon State Board of Nursing, and we had flyers about that. So we were educating lots of different groups on what this was going to mean to them, and I think that helped um, everyone just sort of make their own assessment of what this, what's going on here, um, and people didn't like it. <laughs> so there was a lot of pressure that was building up. Yeah, I must say that uh, uh, from my experience, in the labor movement that I've, over the course of this time as things were building up, I found that the, the nurses that I, that I know and that, I've, that I talk to, everybody seemed incredibly well informed about the, the issues. Obviously, they, they were informed about their own work circumstances but the, and what their needs were. And, you know, I, I mean, I've seen other union, um, without naming any other unions, I've seen situations where the members, where it's the bargaining committee at the top and the members really are just saying, well, whatever happens, happens, and not really knowing what's going on. But you seem to have done a really incredible job, I, th I think, of, of keeping your membership informed uh, in a democratic way and, and really having a highly informed and educated membership about what, what was at stake. Congratulations yeah. for that. I think it's really, uh, it's it's a real it sends a, it should send a real positive message to every other unionized worker here about what a union can do and should do. I got to give some props to Erin because uh, you know she we had these town halls and Erin um, is our chair and she um, got up in front of that bargaining unit you know every single time and showed great leadership and outlined our priorities and we just stuck. She just stuck to the message, and she did a great job leading us. And you do need a strong leader. Um, and so congratulations to Erin for being a very strong leader in an extremely tough time. So we had, we had great people, too. Yeah, the whole time, you know, when I think about this process, it, it, our bargaining began, you know, earlier this year, but our organizing started a couple of years ago. This has all been building up to this. We had a lot of engagement from our membership. We've had a lot of things happen in the last few years that helped keep these members engaged. 
And while we've lost so many employees over that time period, the new people coming in really jumped right on board because of the working conditions. And for us, it was all about being very transparent with our members, having very frequent conversations, meetings, and different modes of communication, you know, with everybody. It's not just one meeting or one structure that gets the message out to a bargaining unit of this size. It's about using all of the tools that you have to ensure everybody is on the same page and to make sure that we are advocating at the table for what our members really want. So I imagine as things got closer and closer to the strike date that uh, union leaders, so you had to have some conversations with, with uh, nurses who were probably pretty, pretty nervous about what was possibly going to happen. Yeah, I mean, all along the way, as things, you know, ramped up, those conversations became more frequent. They became a little bit more individualized, too, because going on strike, you know, has effects on everybody differently. We have, you know, our collective effect and what it means for, for us as nurses, for what it means for our community, lots of concerns about how that, you know, was going to look. But, you know, the individual... Um, concerns that people had, you know, needed a little bit more um, discussion for people. But there was a lot of trust built with our members over, you know, this time. And we'd been having conversations the entire time. And because of that trust, you know, a, people were very freely communicating what their needs were, what their concerns were. And we were able to have a lot of very, you know, good dialogue with everybody on an individual level. Could you just kind of walk our listeners through, so what happened, so you got a tentative, what time, and then when you announced it, and and, and what the response was? So we, we kind of felt, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, it was such a whirlwind few days, but I feel like it was about 7 o'clock in the morning after the second day. The first day we had bargained from like 8 until 1 a.m. or something like that, and then resumed right again at like 9 o'clock in the morning the next day and pulled a complete all-nighter. Um, I don't even remember what time I left. Um, it was definitely the start of the new day. Um, and a lot of us went and just got a few hours of sleep, and then we had our town hall that evening to go over, you know, what, what we had come to at the table with our membership. You know, I think um... – our team, even after Tuesday when we went home, I think we were feeling like it was almost 100% we were going on strike. There just was, Tuesday was not super productive. So this all did start happening at the final moments of, um, of this bargaining because, uh, you know, after what, this one last day, it was it, you know, and then, four days later, we were going to be going on strike. So um, it was pretty well um, calendared out that way for us, the way we planned that. That wasn't, um, that was by design. So, yeah, it was really that last day, I think, Aaron, don't you think, that it just yeah. all really started to, they really started to come um, extremely far our way, uh, which was an incredible thing to see. <laughs> So what role would you say that the community played, both in support of the nurses, but also 
um, in sending a message to the administration. There was a couple of op-eds in the bulletin that were, I thought, were, you know, attempts to be somewhat balanced, but also kind of directed at the administration. Yeah, I think having the community support was absolutely necessary for, I mean, every part of our campaign campaign was necessary. We couldn't, every piece had to fit in. Um, you know, I would have people that would come up to me that knew I worked at the hospital and, and things support or people reading articles where they'd thought interviews and giving support. My neighbors offering support family, so many people, um, all of our elected officials from the community, I have, we're so grateful for everybody stepping up to the plate with us. At our informational picket, so many community members, teachers, um, fire, police, like everybody really coming um, with us on this journey. Our town hall did, because of how everything went at the table, I don't want to call it a party, but there was a lot of happy people at our town hall. Um, I'll bet. And, you know, it, it was funny because a lot of the news kind of broke in the media while we slept. So people coming into town hall had a very, you know, high level understanding, like not a lot of details of what kind of agreement had been made, but we're walking in seeing the news release, you know, right. and so people were kind of, kind of knowing that we we must have gotten something good because they knew we wouldn't have agreed to something that wasn't in their best interest. The town hall started with just so many people. The, the room was packed and overflowing. People were stacked on each other, smiling, hugging, crying. Everybody was just very emotional. Um, tons of cheering, you know, and even though it's not really a party or a celebration, it felt like one for, for a long time, you know, because everybody was feeling a huge sense of relief that we were able to to get the hospital to, to bargain with us and not have to, um, to go out on strike. And so what are some of the highlights that you would like our listeners to, to, uh, to know about in terms of highlights of, of this contract? I think, you know, our big goal of being able to recruit and retain nurses and, and get respect and because we've been, we have a contract now that really can do those things. You know, had we not gotten some, some of our, our things, we, we wouldn't be able to recruit nurses. It's very difficult, you know, recruiting nurses is a national endeavor right now. You know, you hear hospitals say, oh, there's a nursing shortage, and I don't really buy into that. There's so many more licensed nurses now. It's just there's a lot of nurses that aren't willing to work in the hospital systems under the working conditions. And when we have a contract that can actually improve these working conditions, we're going to start seeing more people back at the bedside. Um, you know, I'm curious to see how recruiting goes over the next few months. Um, people have been coming up to me in the last week or so since we've reached this PA telling me, you've retained me. I wasn't going to stay, and now now I am. So, you know, it'll be nice to see how this plays out over time. But I think we have a contract that can do what we set forward. And, and it will be up to the administration to utilize this contract as a 
I guess I'll call it as a recruiting tool, right? I mean, the, the, it's going to be their responsibility um, to really reach out around across the country, maybe around the world. You know, it's on them for a lot of this. If they, you know, get tons of applicants into their their job postings and they don't reach out to people and interview them and, and onboard the people that they should be onboarding, you know, the hospital owns this now. They have the tools to recruit nurses, and now they need to use them. It's on them. I did want I did want to mention um, just going back a few questions that. Um, when we were doing the campaign and with the public, we knew it was a great opportunity to educate the um, public about how nursing and nurse staffing directly impacts their care. So we, we really spent a lot of time with that. Um, we also um, had the legislation um, that we had introduced that was a roller coaster ride, but ultimately we have the, you know, um, groundbreaking um, first in the nation legislation for um, nurse to patient ratios. And that's a huge selling point for St. Charles to say that, you know, these working conditions are going to be really good for nurses and patients. Um, it certainly isn't just about um, the uh, market adjustment um, compensation that we achieved. Um, it really is the whole package. And as Aaron alluded, it's on them. We gave them, I mean, we had to drag them kicking and screaming, but we gave them the tools to be a successful organization. We did achieve a bit of a market adjustment just because we've seen um, how, how the Bend area has, you know, changed in the last few years. Um, so just adjustments to base wages. But also, you know, we put place some, a lot of emphasis on the areas in the hospital that are actually really difficult to recruit, such as our night shifts, such as our float pool. These are key positions that absolutely need to be staffed for a successful organization. You know, if you can't have the same amount of patients in the day shift, be on the night shift if you don't have the same amount of staff. We also need some nurses to have extra training, extra skills to be a little bit more fluid within the hospital. And I think the hospitals realize that, you know, in the post-pandemic world of having people that they can move around the hospital and fill various roles. So if you have a nurse that can work on the medical floor, the orthopedic floor, or the surgical floor, you know, that's a dynamic person. And so we did place a lot of emphasis on adjustments going to those um, specific places because they're needed. Um, you know, our night shift nurses working all night without sleep and having to sleep during the day is very difficult um, on a lot of levels. And so improving the compensation for that sacrifice has to be made because it's necessary for the hospital. Any other highlights for the contract that you, um, that you want to mention? Oh my God, there's so many. Um, meals and breaks. You know, one of the things that we were sharing with the community is how many meals and breaks our nurses have been missing year to year to year with exponential increase in those numbers. And, you know, the hospital now is going to have a lot of incentive to ensure that the nurses are getting their meals and their breaks. There'll be penalties if they don't, right? Correct. 
And, and as there should be, it's not safe for nurses to be working the shifts that we work without breaks, without being able to have a moment to eat. You know, it's, it's hard enough to make it through the shift when you have those things, um, but let alone when you don't have a to kind of recollect yourself. Erin, will you, um, you might correct me on this, but um, Michael, we achieved such historic market adjustment in our compensation. I think it's good for listeners to know because, you know, hopefully this lifts up other um, job compensation at St. Charles, not just nurses, but I believe our compensation base wage goes up anywhere from 30% up to 45%. Is that correct, Erin? It's something like that. Um, it's in the, the low 30s to the high 40s, depending on the years. Higher wages at the hospital for nurses helps to raise what I call the community wage. I mean, I think everybody in the community benefits when, when uh, unions bargain higher wages because, if nothing else, people start thinking about well, their own worth and deciding how they're going to go about getting paid for what they're worth. We're hoping that this really changes the economics in the state of Oregon, too. I know our other brothers and sisters in bargaining units across the state were, you know, texting Aaron and us and saying, oh, my gosh, this is great. You know, you're really helping us out. And so, um, you know, we were hoping to do that, and, uh, and we did it, and we're really, really happy about that. Yeah, I think it has the potential to help the teachers that are bargaining uh, at the Ben Lapine School District and the classified school workers who are also bargaining at Ben Lapine that, to to see this kind of an increase. Alcospis is also um, organizing right now, and that's going to be another contract to come from St. Charles. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know? I mean, is there anything that I've that I've left out or anything that you need to add? I just really want to thank everybody for all of their support. It it really, it was very helpful to be fighting so hard with a lot of people behind us. Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, just really proud of our ONA, our bargaining unit and all the people that helped and our, in our union, um, our staff at the union um, were absolutely critical and backed us up and gave us, everything we needed when we needed it and um it just was a, a it was a great day to be a union member it's always a great day to be a union member <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> you, know, you know anyway yeah thanks so much aaron harrington and john nangle for uh for joining me here on on the radical songbook Thanks for tuning in, sisters and brothers, and congratulations again to the Oregon Nurses Association members at St. Charles Bend who've achieved this wonderful victory for our entire community. This is Michael Funky for the Radical Songbook.